Well, good morning. Good morning to you. I would like to say thank you, first of all, to any of you or all of you who helped participate in serving the Long family in the untimely death here in the memorial service of their son, Eric. Um, a, great, a great way to serve a family here in the community. I just want to say thank you to the staff, uh, uh, office staff especially. Mark did a tremendous amount of work and to those of you who helped in other ways to serve the family. Thank you. Well, uh, have you had enough to eat the last week? Okay, if you haven't, why well, ask somebody else. They probably have some leftover cookies or something. Yeah. Um, during this past several weeks, we've been in a series called Stable Life. And so just a bit, just a couple minutes of review for us to remember. Um, we want to look at those. Then after we're done looking at those, I'd like to have us think toward this kind of a thought. As we finish this year of 2018, I would invite you to reflect and think about places that you might want uh, to recalculate that maybe you feel like Jesus has gone lost for me in that time as I look over my shoulder in rear view of this year, okay? First, we started a few weeks ago with talking about hope. And uh, David writes in the Psalm 130, he says, O Lord, hear my voice. Let my ears be attentive to, to, to my cry for mercy. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I place my hope. And we ask a question, what am I hoping for? Hmm. On a physical level, certainly about five and a half weeks before Christmas, I was hoping for less pain in my back from surgery. And, it, and, and, I've, and I have that today, and I'm thankful. I'm really grateful. Uh, we also talked about in that Sunday on hope that we can have displaced hope. We can, put our, we can put our trust in places that may not deliver the hope that we hoped for, that we, were, that we l- would love to see. It could be a financial portfolio, celebrities, education, corporate ladder, leadership. And sometimes we are left realizing uh, maybe that wasn't the best thing for us. And then the question that we were left with that Sunday was, what would it look like for you and I to put our hope in God and to live one step at a time toward that hope? Second week was joy. And statistics say that 90% of us would like to have more joy in our lives. 90% of us. What does that look like? What does that look like? What does that mean for us? Joy is more than happiness. Joy is something that happens to us uh, despite. We can have joy in the middle of very, very difficult and trying and challenging difficult parts of life. Things that might bring us joy uh, uh, relationally, maybe over the holidays, has been good food with family and friends. Uh, We enjoy hobbies. There's football to watch these days. Maybe it's music. Maybe it's... um, Going fishing, maybe it's uh, maybe if it gets cold enough, it'll be ice hockey or something like that. Um, when you think about where joy is for you on a joy meter of zero here and ten over here being the highest joy you can have, where would you put yourself this morning? Where would you place your joy on that meter? A three, an eight, no, no, Howard. I'm full of joy. I'm a ten. Yeah. And um, Jesus said, ask in my name, and you will receive, and you will have deep and lasting joy. It's awesome. 
Last Sunday we talked, or two weeks ago, we talked about peace. Pastor Jesse taught there. And he said, we challenged us that in our culture, uh, we've tried to bring peace through power and control. And in the Roman government, which was the occupied force of the time of Jesus, uh, peace was when all the other countries were crushed. It's like we got them all under our thumb. We're keeping them down. And if they try to have power, we're going to squelch that. Jesus calls us to a very different kind of peace. In John 14, 27, I leave you with a gift. Peace of mind and peace of heart. And the peace I give you is a gift the world cannot give. Wow, it's powerful. That's powerful. Where do we find our peace? And then we were left with some questions, some places and promises in the Bible for lasting peace. And just two of those. In Jesus, God does not condemn anyone. Romans 8.1. And a second one, Jesus will help you and I when we lose sight of where Jesus, when Jesus gets lost from us, Hebrews 2, 8. Last Sunday, then we talked about love. God so loved the world that he sent his son Jesus, whose birthday we celebrated on Tuesday, right? And Jesus invites us, and we just talked a little bit about that here in the opening, that our lives can get twisted by our own choices of things that have happened to us or choices that we've made on our own that take us away from God's best for us. And that is really called, the term for that is sin. But in John 4, 12 to, uh, 9 to 12, this is how God showed his love for us. He sent his only son to the world that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice for us. And then the last part of this section, dear friends, since God so loved you, you must love other people. Then the question that was left, how do I love people who can't or won't ever be able to give anything in return? Wow. But a lot's happened since last Sunday, hasn't it? We've been in a lot of places and many of us eaten too much and uh, we get our family with us every other year. So we've had five days of 14 people in the house um, and there was competitive rook. No, it was non-competitive rook. Um, no, and uh, we did like 48 quarts of applesauce together, a ping pong tournament that I did not win. And so I'm still trying to nursing my wounds on that. I got third place. Uh, a lot of laughter and tears. Uh, when we have a family sharing time, each family gets to share a good time for us. And I pray it has been for you. On this last Sunday of the year, tomorrow's the last day, we want to look at a couple stories that will take us to the thought that as we look back over 2018 in the rear view, where or where there, were there places where Jesus got lost for you? You lost track of where Jesus was. And am I open to allow Jesus to gently recalculate my life back toward him?
So, have you ever been hiking, biking, or driving where suddenly you realized we are absolutely lost? Anybody? Before your little black thing, or before your GPS says, recalculating, make a U-turn. Have you ever had that happen? Yeah. Turn left and then turn left again. Turn left and turn left again. Turn right, turn right again. Get your turn back around. It happens to us, doesn't it? Well, if you've been a parent sometimes, some of our children when we're shopping or doing things uh, uh, get lost. It's like we can be so attentive. I need to buy a pair of boots or I need to buy a pair of jeans or a sweater or something and just stay right here while I'm looking and you turn around. They're not there. I have a nephew that had this knack for just slipping away from his, uh, from my sister-in-law. His name's Nate. He's a great guy today, but my goodness. One time he slipped away. She looked everywhere for him. Up in the front of the store in the display cases where the windows are wide open, he's standing there with the mannequins. Lost. Just lost, but didn't care all that much. Yeah. We think of stories, and you would have stories like that too, I'm sure. We're going to look at a couple of stories that... <clears throat> that uh, I think really play well for us today. Luke chapter 2, verse 41 to 51. But if we back up in Luke chapter 2, this is a story we read last week. It's a story about Jesus' birth, okay? At the end, in the 41st verse, we're 12 years later. So in one chapter, it jumps 12 years, okay? And so um, in, this, in the first part, it's a reminder of Jesus' birth. The shepherds come to visit baby Jesus in the manger. But Luke moves quickly. It's an interesting story of Jesus getting lost from his parents in the mall. No, no, it was in the temple, actually. Um, And verse 41, it says, Every year Jesus and his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12, they went to the feast according to was the custom. Now, if you were traveling from Jerusalem to from Nazareth to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover, it was on foot. You would be in a group of other people because it's too dangerous to go by yourself. And it's 90 miles, okay? It's like hiking from here to Council Grove. Yeah, okay? Uh, it's, a, it's a little trek. And so people are all together, and so kids are with other kids, and people, so you didn't, you didn't worry too much because it was safe with friends and family on this three-day trek. Um, <clears throat> but after the Passover festival is over, everybody starts back. And... Uh, Sure enough, uh, Mary and Joseph didn't have any idea that Jesus wasn't with them. So they traveled one full day on foot in a caravan of people that travel together. It'd be like a group of us in a bunch of minivans today traveling together. And it wouldn't be so strange. We'd think, well, our son's with some of you, and we're, so we're just not going to worry about that. But when they pulled off the freeway to go to the Motel 8, which isn't really that in that time, Jesus wasn't with them. He, was, he wasn't there. He was nowhere to be found. And if you're a parent and suddenly one of your children is, can't be found, it takes our blood pressure up just a little bit. Yeah, we get frantic just a little bit. Or if you've ever gotten lost, you kind of panic just a little bit. Um, today, of course, we'd have cell phones and we'd have the 360 app so we could know where our kids were if they had their phone with them. Uh, so Mary and Joseph turned around and went a one-day 30-mile hike back to Jerusalem. Yeah. How in the world did we lose track of Jesus? The longer the time went, the more thoughts went through their head. 
How did we lose track? Sometimes in the busy season from like November into through the Christmas season, uh, we can get so busy with travel and preparing food, gift buying, keeping you know relatives and friends and gathering together and, and, on, and it goes on and on that we might be able to find ourselves in one of those places where Jesus seems lost to us. Hmm. When Mary and Joseph got back to Jerusalem, they went to the temple. And sure enough, there's Jesus with the Jewish leaders. He's a 12-year-old with all these schooled, educated Jewish teachers. And he's answering their questions, and they are just like, how in the world does he know all this stuff? Um, So it says, when his parents saw him, they were astonished. Translated means frustrated and happy. Yeah, because we didn't know you were lost, but we're happy that we found you. Can you understand that? Yeah, we can. Uh, there's Jesus holding his own in the temple, a preteen holding court in the sen- on the Senate floor. Well, not really, on the temple court, in the temple center with the Jewish leaders that were amazed as well as were his parents when they just began to listen. They began to listen. Perhaps memories came flooding back to them. The angel to Mary, the manger, the shepherds, the wise men, This is real. This is really happening. Jesus was able to articulate with the Jewish leaders. Why? Because he was the Son of God. Yeah. Hmm. C.S. Lewis writes in in a book called Miracles and says, There comes a moment when children who are playing in the dark suddenly say, Was that real footsteps in the hall? There comes a moment for people, all of us, if we're just dabbling in religion and suddenly we draw back. Supposedly we found Jesus. We never meant it to come to that. Supposing he finds us. Hmm. Here we are doing church and suddenly Jesus shows up. Suddenly it's clear. We're dealing with a real person. Not a set of ideas, not an organizational structure. It's more than a list of concepts. These are the moments where Mary and Joseph kind of walked into the temple. And Mary responded just like any mother would respond. Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And Jesus responds, didn't you know? Why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I needed to be about my father, in my father's house? They didn't quite understand it all quite yet. And, he, and so Jesus is kind of saying, why should you be so surprised? You knew this was a deal, that I was going to be called into something different. You knew that wasn't always going to be just a kid in the neighborhood. I love the story. But the Advent kind of comes down to this. Yeah, this week following Christmas, we're kind of... The ornaments are being put away. Your Christmas tree may be shedding some things. Kids are playing with their toys. Bored already. Real life is happening. It's ordinary life. It's straight up, boring, dramatic, and exhausting life. And that's what it comes down to. We can have good worship services. We can have great teaching. We can have good music. But what does it mean for us in our regular, ordinary life to really hold on to the hand of Jesus and take Jesus with us. 
as we interact and how we, and how we treat people on every level and every place. The mail carrier, uh, our schoolmates, our work associates, our teachers, our coaches, our parents. Jesus gets lost. His parents find him. And it says he goes back to Nazareth and lived with them for a stretch of time. I want to close. I want to finish today with a story that I think grabs a hold of this idea of being getting lost from Jesus and Jesus coming and recalculating. And um, many of you know that Jesus chose 12 people, 12 guys to work with him. They're called 12 disciples. One of those, his name was Peter. And uh, in John chapter 18, Peter loses sight of Jesus. Jesus had said partway into his ministry, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and when I go to Jerusalem, they're going to arrest me, and they're going to crucify me. And his disciples say, no, 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 no. They still thought he was going to be a a ruler that would overthrow the Roman occupation. And he said, that's not the way it's going to be. And Peter said, if everybody else leaves you, I won't. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, you know what's really going to happen, Peter? You're going to deny me three times. Nope, not going to happen. They end up in Jerusalem. Jesus gets arrested. And he's in the Jewish courtroom where they are harassing him, slapping him, beating him, putting a crown of thorns. And Jesus' disciples scatter like flies. But Peter sits on the edge at a little campfire outside. And somebody says, weren't you with Jesus? He goes, "Uh uh-uh, not me. A little later, someone else said, like, your speech betrays you. Aren't you one of Jesus' followers? Uh Uh-uh, not me. And a third time, somebody says, weren't you with Jesus when he was in the garden? No, not me. Three times. A rooster crew at that time, and then Peter realized when Jesus had told him, no, Peter, what's going to happen? You're going to deny me three times, and here's how you're going to know when that happens. A rooster's going to crow, and the rooster crowed, and Peter ran out, and he was completely upside down with how he had just behaved because he realized in those moments when the pressure was on him, he caved and lost sight of Jesus, absolutely lost sight. But it's interesting. It's interesting how the God of heaven works and how Jesus works. And if we go to John chapter 21, um, Jesus um, has been crucified. He's been in the grave three days, has resurrected. His disciples think it's all over. God's, Jesus' mission is over. And so they said, let's just go back to what we have done before. So some of them were fishermen. So Peter and James and John and a couple others took the boat, went on the lake. Let's go fishing. Let's go back to business as usual because our mission with Jesus is over. All night they fished with nets to catch fish. Didn't catch anything. And as they begin to come toward the shore, they notice a little fire on the beach. And uh, I wonder what that is. And then somebody says, are you catching any fish? A voice from the fire, little bonfire. Nope. Put your net on the other side. Who, what does he know? We're the fishing people. Who is that? Well, we're not catching anything, so we just throw the nets over, and they did. And the text tells us that they had more fish than he could hardly manage. Well, then it's kind of hush-hush on the boat. You think, that's Jesus? He said he was going to be resurrected. 
I'm not asking. I'm not asking. Well, it was Jesus. And he said, bring some fish so I can make breakfast for you. And he did that. Now let me read from, from John 21, 15 to 18. This is where Jesus gently helped recalculate Peter's life back to him. After breakfast, verse 15, chapter 21, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon was his name, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, master, I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Verse 16, he asked again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, master, I love you. Jesus said, shepherd my sheep. Verse 17, a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was upset that Jesus kept asking that. Do you love me? So he answered, master, you know everything there is to know. You've got to know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Jesus seemed lost for Peter after his arrest and crucifixion in his denial. Peter and his friends went back to their business as usual. But deep down, Peter knew he had lost track of Jesus, but he didn't know how to get back. He did not know how to get back. In the three questions, Peter, do you love me? It was kind of a sequel to the three times that Peter had denied him. Jesus was recalculating Peter back to who he was created to be and to become. And from those moments on, Peter never lost track of that. If you follow the story on, he began to grow with confidence and he became a leader that didn't care if he was in prison for sharing Christ at all. He was not afraid. So, as we, re- as we think about, so, how, what is, so what? What does that mean for you and I? Well, Jesus' mission has always been to help people recalculate their lives back toward his love, hope, joy, and peace. And he does it in a perfectly designed way for each of us, tailored to how we're wired every time. So today, in reflection, I can't think of a better time to end 2018, better way, than to look maybe in the rearview mirror over the past year and ask ourselves that first question. Are there places where Jesus seemed lost to you in 2018? Are there places? Are there conversations? Are you out of sync in relationship with someone? Do I need to go back and apologize? Do I need to make some things right? Are there places where you lost? I lost it. I lost track of who Jesus is. But I was right, and I'm still mad. Now the question is, are the places where Jesus seemed lost to us? And then secondly, are we open to have Jesus gently recalculate recalculate those places back to his best for us, the best possible way to live and to love? Are you open to that? We see what happened to Peter. He lost track of Jesus. And in the middle of the pressure of the moment, he caved and denied Jesus. Not one time, but three times. But what did Jesus do? He just said, Peter, do you love me? That's as gentle as it comes. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do that for us. And maybe it's a place in your life as you think about 2018 where maybe you got lost. Jesus got lost for you, separated by something done to you or something of our own choices. 
doesn't make any difference. The question is, are we open to Jesus reg, uh, kind of kindly recalculating us back? I'm going to leave about 30 seconds for quiet prayer reflection for you. Then I'm going to close in a prayer, okay? <clears throat> God, as each of us do our own reflection, no one else can do that for us. May your Holy Spirit give us the ability to be boldly honest in, as, as in how we look back over the past year. And God, if there are places like Peter, we say, man, I lost track of where Jesus was. But I want to accept Jesus' kind way of recalculating us back. God, I want that more than anything. And God, I know that's what you want for us too. As we end this year and step into 2019, I know that's your heart. Give us the courage to be honest with ourselves. Thank you for these stories. In Jesus' name, amen.